the posture of our heart always matters. There was a guy having a conversation with God, and he asked God, God, what is a thousand, what is a billion years like? And God said, a billion years is like one second. And the guy said, God, what is a billion dollars like? And God said, a billion dollars is like one penny. So the guy says, God, can I have one penny? And God says, just give me one second. (laughs) All right, if you've been with us the last few weeks, I know you were thinking, when is the cheesy joke coming? So now I have removed all doubt. So thank you for bearing with me. Um, No, all joking aside, it's an honor to be here this morning. It's an honor uh, when my wife and I came When my wife and I came to San Antonio six years ago, it's been an honor serving alongside many of you, many of you behind the scenes. It's it's an honor uh, to have gotten to know a lot of you through financial peace and and being a part of those classes. And it's an honor to be here this morning as we close out our Blessed to be a Blessing series. We've covered a lot of ground in this series. Week one, we started with that it was all about our heart. Uh, We've learned that God says to return his tithe to the storehouse, that in Malachi, he says, test me in this. We learned that Jesus, in his own words, in speaking about tithing, justice, mercy, faith, he said, "You you ought to do them all. You ought not leave any undone. We learned that Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. We learned that we cannot serve both God and money. We learned about the principle of the first fruits and of the firstborn, that the firstborn had to either be sacrificed or redeemed with a sacrifice. And this morning, we're going to cover just a few other principles in wrapping up our series. Our main text this morning is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Go ahead and turn to chapter 8 if you've got your Bibles this morning for a bit of background. Now, as you're turning there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There's three different groups of believers that we need to be aware of. So first, there's a group of believers in Jerusalem that is in great need. They're in great financial need. And Paul is letting other churches know about this need. There's a group of believers in a region called Macedonia where Paul had been planting churches. And Paul is going to speak about these believers. And thirdly, to the south, there's a group of believers in Corinth that Paul is writing to. So we pick up the story in chapter eight, verse one. And one thing you have to know about the believers in Macedonia is they were not well off. They were going through a lot of trials themselves. And this is Paul's testimony. Paul says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You can get a sense for the magnitude of what was happening. You can get a sense of how important this was to Paul. And God was certainly at work in, their, in these believers' hearts. And Paul was, essentially, he's bragging on them. He's impressed. He's like, I don't even know how you've done it, but you've given even more than I thought. Skip down to verse 7, and we're going to see what he says about the believers in Corinth. Now, these believers were a little better off financially. And here's what Paul says about them. But since you excel in everything, in faith, 
in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, these believers had developed a reputation. They had a reputation for many things, a good reputation. He says they were marked by excellence in their faith, in their speech, in their knowledge and love, and he's encouraging them, be excellent in putting your love into practice and showing generosity. Now see, these believers in Corinth, they were on the front lines. They were kind of the pioneers because in the year previously when they heard about this need in Jerusalem, they were one of the first ones to step up and say, we're going to give big. They essentially filled out a first century pledge card. That's what they had done. They had, they had said, we we're going to give big. Some of them had started giving. So Paul was encouraging them saying, finish what you started, see it through. Now skip over to chapter nine, beginning in verse six. This will be our main passage for the morning. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So this passage, our general principle today, has to do with sowing and reaping. You see, there's, it mentions sowing and reaping. Sowing a seed and reaping a harvest. In my hand right now, I've got a seed. It's so small that most of you can't even see it, most in this room. But we could all imagine in our minds what this seed has the potential to grow into. And for our sake today, the seed represents those resources that God has entrusted us with. That if we do our part, we sometimes we get to see how God can do his part. And now I'm certainly not a farmer. I did not grow up on a farm. I was a city slicker. Uh, most of you, I would assume, are not farmers. But uh, for the sake of our illustration today, we are going to put ourselves in the shoes of a farmer to see what we learn from these general principles of sowing and reaping. So point number one in your notes, if you're taking notes this morning, I must sow to reap. It sounds pretty fundamental, but think about it. If we're the farmer, if we go out to our fields during the harvest season, but we know in the back of our mind that we never actually scattered the seed in the previous season, then, then we would all be foolish to think we were going to reap a harvest, Right? We have to first do sow the seed. You know, it's interesting when it comes to our resources or our finances or this seed, we have a few choices we can make. We get the choice of maybe I do nothing with it. Maybe I forget about it. Maybe I lose it. Maybe I don't do anything with it. Or maybe more likely is I take my seeds and I grind it into flour and I bake bread and I consume it all myself. 
then I don't have any other seeds. Or thirdly, I could sow the seed, I could cultivate the soil, I could trust in God to bring the rain, the sun, the growth, and one day I could reap a harvest. And so our first point is I must sow to reap. Our second point is I reap what I sow. I reap what I sow. And here we're talking about two things, in kind and in magnitude. What I mean by kind is this. I'm going to need your help this morning. I know that you are not experts at farming, but help me out with this pop quiz. If I sow corn, I expect to reap Good job. If I sow wheat, I would reap. If I sow barley, I would reap. Barley. Three for three, not bad. Um, let's change it up a bit. If I, if I sow judgment, I would expect to reap. If I sow forgiveness, I would expect to reap forgiveness. Jesus himself says, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So this is the general principle of sowing and reaping. As to magnitude, verse 6 said, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So again, we're our farmer. We've got many fields. If we scatter a few seeds in one corner of one field, none of us would expect to go out the next year and expect to see all of our fields with a harvest. We didn't scatter there, right? We sowed sparingly. But if we sow generously, we reap generously. Now, this general principle, sowing and reaping, is conditional. And the condition has to do with our heart. Our heart must be in the right place to, to reap what we sow. This is found in the book of Haggai, chapter 1. Now, hold your place, turn to Haggai. Haggai hardly ever preached on. It is a tiny book in the, in the back of the Old Testament with the other small prof, the books of the small prophets. It's between the books of Zephaniah and Zechariah. If you can find those two Z books, it's going to be one page right in the middle of the Old Testament prophets. In Haggai, what's happening here, let me give you some background in chapter one. See, the people, God's people had been in exile and they had come back now to the promised land. They were slaves previously. They had come back to the promised land. They had been back not quite 20 years. It had been a while, but not quite 20 years. But there was a big problem is that the people had, they had rebuilt their own houses and rebuilt them nicely, but they had not yet rebuilt God's temple. And so this is what God has to say to them, beginning in Haggai Chapter 1, verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. This is what the people were saying around town. So the people were saying, it's not yet time. It's only been 18 years. I don't think it's time yet to rebuild the temple. We've got a little more time. Maybe the next generation can do it. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses, i.e. nice, plush, while this house, God's house, remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, consider what's been happening. Consider what the last six months have been like. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, 
but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I love the imagery. I don't think any of us could do any better. But have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm earning all this money. Where is it all going? It doesn't seem to go far enough. You know, the car's breaking, the AC's breaking. This is more than I thought. And so God is saying, it's as if I'm putting money in my pocket with holes in it or money in a bag with holes in it. And this is the illustration of living apart from God's blessing. And so the people did not have their priorities right. They were watching out for themselves. They were continuing to put themselves first. And God's illustration is, look what's happening. Look around. You are not blessed. You are not living a blessed life because you are not trusting in me first and putting me first. So that is the condition of sowing and reaping. So quick recap. Number one, I must sow to reap. Secondly, I reap what I sow. And thirdly, I reap more than I sow and am called to be a blessing. I reap more than I sow and am called to be a blessing. And we know this, right, from our seed. Let's step in as our farmer again. Having trouble picking it up here. If we plant a seed, then when we go out to harvest, we don't just get back a seed, right? If we plant a seed, we, we go back to harvest, we get a plant with hundreds or thousands of seeds. Now, I do want to pause at this point to address one elephant in the room. And we're doing this lesson today on sowing and reaping. We've had six other uh, sermons in this series. And you might say this is a series primarily about resources or finances or money. And so the elephant in the room is the prosperity gospel, the thought of you know, God as this cosmic Coke machine that if I put in what I want to put in and I'm going to get back what I want to get, at, get back. And so I want to address that on two fronts. Number one, if we look at our logo, we're going to have some fun with our logo here, is they just removed one piece of it, but they took off the little tagline. So right now it says, blessed to be blessed. You know, if we just stop with the word blessed, I, I am blessed. God has blessed me then it all in, where's the focus? The focus is on me, 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 right? I feel blessed, I am blessed. But if we do that, we're forgetting the why. Why are we blessed? God has blessed us to be a blessing. What does he say about Abraham? He says, I am going to bless you to be a blessing. God's people are blessed to be a blessing. There's always a purpose behind any blessing. Another, another gauge on your heart is, is this thought, is that generosity is designed to work greed and selfishness out of our lives. If it's all about us and we're always thinking, if I give, this is what I'm going to get in return, then that thought is working greed and selfishness into our lives. We need to catch the revelation of giving, not getting. Right, church? One final observation from our seed is that, you know, if we plant the seed, if we, when we reap that harvest, is that, say we have fields and fields of corn, then it, it's not meant for us alone to consume. We could spend our whole lives as our farmer trying to consume our corn, right? And it's not going to happen. 
but that field has the capacity to benefit the whole community. They could all feed off of it. And so our three points from this illustration of sowing and reaping is, I must sow to reap, I reap what I sow, and thirdly, I reap more than I sow, and I'm called to be a blessing. Now, these, these principles are best understood, I think, in the context of a story, of a real-life example. So 20 years ago, there was a husband and wife in Bandera, Texas. They found a local church. They began giving and serving, and they really served their way to leadership, and they were key volunteer, volunteer leaders in that church. And as the church began to grow... The husband took on a few additional roles. He helped the church find the land for its first building. Uh, He worked on the planning of the building, the design, the actual construction of the building. He was calling to arrange the construction of it. So literally this husband and wife helped lay the foundation and build this, this building out in Bandera. Fast forward about 10 years and they joined our gateway church family in the theater. In the theater, they, were, they continued to give and to serve. And it was during this time that some of you got to know Luther and Betty Foster. And I still remember to this day, when we moved in this building in 2015, I remember over in the kids' area that I remember serving alongside Betty. She would be teaching stories to the kiddos over there, and we were both volunteers in the kids' area in 2015 when this building first opened. Now, most of you in this room will never know Luther and Betty. They have since moved to Virginia to be near one of their sons. But I get a, I get a call from Luther about a year ago. He calls me in the summer, just out of the blue, not expecting it. And Luther, you know, he's on the other end and he says, Josh, you know, we have found a local church up here and we're going to begin giving our tithes to this local church in Virginia but we want to continue to be a part of what God is doing at Gateway. And he had a strange request. He said, can you mail me a stack of giving envelopes? Now, to this day, he's the only one of you in our church, the only one that's ever asked me to send him a stack of giving envelopes. So I literally mail him empty giving envelopes. And then, like clockwork, to this day, I go out to the mailbox at the first of every month, And there is a check from Luther and Betty Foster. They continue to give to missionaries. They can continue to give to supporting the building, to supporting the different ministries of what God is doing here. And so over time, they have been faithful in sowing wherever they've been, in every season that they've been in, and from every place they've been. Now, we will never know, and I will never know, all that they reaped. But I know a few things, and I know that, try not to tear up on this, I know that their marriage has been blessed. Uh, Luther and Betty just recently, they celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. So 70th, I did not misspeak. Uh, Their marriage is older than most of us in this room. Think about that. Uh, I do know that Luther's previous Bible is out in the foundation of our lobby that they had a huge impact here, that they pray for our leaders, that they pray for our church to this day, that they'll never meet a lot of you, but they've changed countless lives since this building alone opened in 2015. 
And so their fingerprints all over things. And I can't forget about that church in Bandera, that church in Bandera that they helped build. It went through a lot of changes over the years. It's been almost 20 years now. The church had good times. The church had bad times. They had a lead pastor leave, and the church congregation was about 15 to 20 people. But they were hungry for leadership. They were hungry for vision. They really needed another lead pastor. And it was that remnant that reached out to us a year and a half ago. And opened, God opened the door for that to become Gateway Fellowship Church Bandera. So that is our Bandera church plant. So they literally helped in the early stages of that church and in building the facility that they're meeting into this day. On Sundays right now, Bandera is welcoming 250 people each Sunday morning. And in this year alone, 2019, they've had 144 people come to know Christ as Savior. Matt told me that's more than the previous 10 years combined. And so that's just one example of what sowing and reaping can look like. If we do our little over time and we're faithful in doing our little and we trust God to do the rest. Now, before we close out our series, I want you to consider what are your next steps? What are, this is our seventh week now of the series. What do the next steps look like for you and your family? You know, maybe this series, maybe you've, you wish you were in a better spot financially or could always do more. Maybe you feel like you've made some money mistakes or maybe somebody has just never really sat down with you and taught you any principles of personal finance. If that describes you, I want to personally invite you to the next Financial Peace University class that will begin in the new year. The registration's active right now. You can go to mygateway.tv forward slash FPU and register. 10-week course, Tuesday nights. The first week is an intro. If you're just not sure, come check it out the first week, but go online and find out more. So maybe that is your action step. For some of you, maybe your action step is that you've been listening, God's been pulling at your heart throughout this series, maybe you even filled out a 90-day tithe challenge card, but maybe you have yet to step into obedience and faith and trust God with the tithe. Maybe that's where you're at. I'm going to read it for, read the exact words, God's words, not mine. He says in Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know, in, in the role that I'm here at the church serving our church body, getting to be a part of the FPU classes, I've heard a number of testimonies. I hear from families that have made huge money mistakes in the past. I, I, I deal with families that are, you know, learning basic principles of personal finance. One, really desperate to learn how to manage money in a biblical way. I see families that are beyond generous, that just shocked me. And over and over, I hear different testimonies. And one of the most common testimonies I hear from the families that tithe is that we feel blessed and we find joy in giving. That's, that's the number one testimony we hear from families that tithe. 
But from families that do not, the most common testimony I hear is that we cannot afford to tithe. And my response would be, you cannot afford not to tithe. You cannot afford not to tithe. See, it sounds counterintuitive, but God is asking us to step out in faith, to step out in obedience, to trust that our remaining, our 90% with his blessing is better than 100% without. That's what he was screaming to the people through Haggai. That's what he was telling them. He was saying, you have to understand, if you have that blessing on your life, what remains will be enough, will be more than enough. And so if that, if that describes you, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Write that down as your next action step, to trust God in giving. And lastly, many of you tithe. Many of you tithe. It's no secret. Uh, a lot of you have been faithful throughout the years. We've gotten to see testimonies each week about these stories and these testimonies. You can testify in your own life to how God has worked as you continue to be obedient. And for you, this is, this is honestly where it gets fun, um, is dreaming and seeing where God would lead you. You know, some of the most fun that Kayla and I have had in giving is in giving above the tithe, giving to support missionaries going around the world, giving to unique opportunities that God sets in front of us. We got to give to this place before this place was here. Uh, eight years ago, before we came to San Antonio, we were at a church and they had a big vision to create an app on which you could, you could put the Bible on everybody's phone. You know, phones are not as fancy as they are now, but that's, that's what was coming down the pipe. And they had the vision and the wisdom to see where that was going. So they cast vision from stage and we got to be just one family out of many that gave to support this vision. And that app was produced, it became the Bible app, and it's been downloaded 380 million times in eight years. So sometimes it's just fun to see how God can take your little and can use it to bless somebody. So your family, I encourage you, sit down as a family. How can you be a blessing to somebody, maybe this week over Thanksgiving? Maybe, maybe you could be a blessing to somebody over this Christmas season. Maybe you're a type A planner like me. You like to plan way out in advance. Maybe you can sit down and dream what 2020 looks like for your family. This time last year, Kayla and I sat down. Late 2018, we, we chose to support a few additional missionaries heading into 2019. We, we kind of had a preliminary idea of what our offerings were gonna look like in 2019. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're a planner, take some time, go home, prayerfully consider what, the, what that looks like for your family. So write down your next step. And lastly, just in, as we conclude this series, you know, we've covered, we've covered a lot of principles in this series, a lot of different ideas. And I think it would be easy to say that this series has primarily been about finances or money or resources. But if I could have one takeaway, I would say that this series is primarily about identity. God's identity as being generous and our identity made in his image. God is generous. We've all heard it said 
For God so loved the world that he, that he gave his only son. See, you can't talk about God's redemption without talking about giving. You can't talk about forgiveness without talking about giving. You can't talk about Christ and his sacrifice and him dying in our place and purchasing the church, his bride with his own blood without talking about giving. And so this is our, the final point this morning is that generosity is not something that God wants from you. It's not something he wants from us. Generosity is something that God wants for us.